College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 39 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Today's podcast brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. And, you know, like swing decisions is kind of like a, this hot new term in baseball for hitters. And that's what S2 is all about is helping hitters understand the you know, are, are there swing decisions quality or not quality? And if it's not where I want it to be or I want it to improve, what do I do about it? So really appreciate the guys at S2. Uh, check them out on their website. Check out an assessment. You want to look into a, an assessment with us, too. Uh, I am joined by the Director of Scouting and Credibility at D1Baseball.com, David Seifert, and our uh, SEC Extra and Missouri Valley Conference correspondent, great Joe Healy. Uh, gentlemen, how are we doing? Happy Thursday. Hey, Happy Thursday. Good to be with you guys. Yeah. Seif, how's the cape? The cave is going well, uh, starting day four today. So a uh, chance to see not a lot of arms out here, but there's a lot of really good bats. So uh, it's it's been very good first three days. I love that. So I, I have two scouting questions for you two, kind of in the inane banter, and then we'll get to some players. Saif, you first, then you, Joe. So this, is, this could be now or during your days with the Phillies. Do you have a favorite scouting trip of the year? Could be on your current, docket could be an old jaunt favorite scouting trip of the uh, calendar Ooh, great question i know when as an area scout i enjoyed the uh the jaunts to the hidden places where you got the the wood bleachers and the you oh. know the old legion fields that we really don't get to go to anymore but that was definitely highlight of my uh area scout but uh i would say the month of July is probably my favorite for what I do now. Just I get to watch the collegiate national team right around the 4th of July and then head out to the Cape for you know a few days a game or a week of games and then the Cape All-Star game. So that's a lot of really good baseball players in a three-week period. Were, were the Legion field just because you felt like you were being taken back in time or more like just you felt like you're on somebody that nobody else is on? Maybe a little bit of both. I mean, when I went and saw a kid named Ryan Bollinger, uh, there's been two high school kids signed from the state of North Dakota out of high school. Oh, one wow. was Roger that made the major leagues. One was Roger Maris and one was Ryan Bullinger. He was a 43rd round pick of the Phillies. And where I went to see him on the day I did in my not North Dakota, um, that was fun. It was literally snowing throughout most of the game. And I had to go oh, sit, in the jan sit with the janitor in the janitor closet, basically between innings. It was so cold. He had the only heater in the ballpark, but uh <laughs> Um, no, so I just great. enjoy the Legion fields. It's like being in Omaha when I was scouting as an area guy going to Omaha. It's it's kind of like a throwback of 20 years prior. You know, just yeah. things are just I hate to say slower, but it's just you have the families out there. And um, I don't know. I just really enjoyed kind of the, the throwback days. So a little bit of thrill of the chase, but also just like you just said, the olden days, baby. I love that. Joe, how about you? Yeah, I mean, it's part of the throwback is part of what I actually like about the Cape, to be honest, is it's just runes. And I talked about that the other day. It's just so lo-fi, right? It's just so simple and there are pretty good crowds out there. Like, you know, <laughs> Cape, Cape will draw some fans now, but it, you know, it's just laid back, but I like in the fall around here and here is the Carolinas. 
there's just so many D1 teams clustered in such a short, small uh, uh, space, right? Um, and so what they'll kind of do in the fall is they're not totally, but a lot of programs will work together to like stagger their scout days and their fall games so that people can get to as much as they can. And so there are these days in the fall where you like, you'll start at like 8 a.m. somewhere and then you'll, you'll watch what they've got going and then everybody goes to their car and you drive up the highway to whatever's next. And then you, you do that in the late morning and then you drive to wherever's next. And then, you, I mean, there, so there are a few Saturdays in the fall where you can go to, you know, three, four places at least on a given day. And then you do it, do it again the next day and until you kind of run out of places in the Carolinas. And those are, that's something that I didn't have when I, as Sife knows, like in the Midwest, you don't really get that necessarily because it's more spread out. Certainly you don't get that in Texas when I live there because everything's so spread out. So that's a lot of fun because it really get, it allows you to get a lot of intel and see a lot of teams and players over a, a pretty condensed amount of time. Oh, I love that. Last fall, I got to go to Vegas and see ASU, Vandy, Fullerton, and UNLV, like, you know, four games in two days. And that, like, you, you just, you know, the fall, you're jonesing for baseball. That was awesome. <laughs> when you said the Legion field, Sife, that made me, that made me remember Robbie McClellan, who's the head coach at NJIT now, was from Liberal, Kansas, um, Seward County Community College. It's this little place in southwest Kansas. We were on him hard. I flew from Phoenix to wherever in Kansas. You know, like the 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 getting on the plane to get to Liberal was like calling an Uber. Like the pilots asked, "Hey, are you on this flight? Jump, let's go. Were you ready?" Like it was it was almost like a private plane. And um, I get there, and the game's at Dodge City. And I'm feeling like, man, Robbie can really spin a breaking ball. He's a Juco guy that's had success. We're on him good. I felt like nobody nobody else is going to be at this game at Dodge City, Kansas, like a you know fall inter-squad scrimmage, whatever. And sure enough, I get there, and it's me and stinking Turtle Thomas from LSU is sitting there on the chain link fence. Joe, Turtle Thomas was everywhere. I swear there was – Turtle's the greatest. There's like seven of him. Like he – he could be in seven places at once. So anyway, we did prevail. Um, LSU did not win Robbie McClellan over us, but gosh, that was not not my favorite thing. Did you? Uh, were you greeted with a "Hey, big guy"? But <laughs> I'm sure I got called "big guy" many times that day. I, uh, I thought Rubens, there was absolutely no way there's a commercial airport in Liberal, Kansas, but I just looked it up, and honest to goodness, there is. United Airlines will fly you from Liberal, Kansas to Denver. As a matter of fact, that's what they're advertising yeah. on the the homepage here. So uh, kudos to liberal Kansas, a town of less than 20,000 people for having a regional airport. Who would have guessed? Oh, so great. Oh, very good. Well, gentlemen, let's, let's talk about some actual scouting. So you two have seen the mighty college national team and Saif, you and I talked about the pitchers. We're going to talk about the hitters today. And, you know, again, for the uninitiated, when you, when you, when you think about the 2024 college season, and when you think about the 2024 draft college player version of that, like the top of the pyramid is the college national team, right? Like the players that are not draft eligible this year that are next year's version of college baseball, the college national team, they feed first, they pick who they want. The rest trickles down to the Cape Cod league. And there's some intersection there too, because not every kid makes the national team or the national team might have a, a tiny schedule that summer. Uh, and then everything happens from there. So um, that's why Cape uh, Sife is in the Cape. That's why Joe's been to the Cape, et cetera, et cetera. So let's let's lock in on the college national team 
hitters. Saif, I'm going to tee you up with this question. If in fact, I think I know who you're going to pick, but let, let's just ask the question. You always you, do. For some reason, you always know who I'm going to pick. Yeah, well, we'll see. Who's 1-1 next year? If, if the first pick in next year's draft is a college player, is it who I think it is? It has to be. I mean, there's only two people on this planet that can throw it 100 and hit it 118. Um, and one's worth $100 million a year as a free agent probably next year. <laughs> and uh, if, if the draft were tomorrow, I think you'd have to go with, with Jack Taney. Yeah. What, so let me ask you this. I got follow-up questions on Jack Taney. Do you, if you're drafting him, are you drafting him as a, so here's part one. Are you drafting him as a pitcher or a hitter? Well, I think drafting him as both. A two, two-way player. I mean, it's very popular these days. I okay. don't know the exact rules Major League Baseball has now, but your advantage is to draft him as a two-way player, bring him up as a two-way player. So when he gets to the big leagues, don't you have like extra roster flexibility? I don't know yeah. the exact details, but it only helps. So yeah, I mean, and he is a two-way guy. I mean, he throws 100 or can touch 100, doesn't throw 100 from the left side and he can, he has exit velocities in excess of 115. So I don't think you want that guy just doing one thing. So, yeah. So your, your recommendation as this scout signing him or the scouting director would be like, Hey, we're, we're not picking, like we're going to have him do both in the minor leagues and see if he can do both in the big leagues. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of like Reggie Crawford is doing for the giants right now. I know he's just okay. come back from injury. I mean, we always forget about Rich and Keel. You know, we want mm-hmm. to point to Otani, but, I mean, there are guys before Otani. They just weren't as good as him. But, like, Rick and Keel is probably the greatest example. Lefty yeah. threw almost 100, hit bombs, you know, things like that. So, very, super athletic. But, yeah. Okay, so so my final uh, Jack Tani question, Jack Caglione, he, his swing decisions are no bueno. Like, and I, I don't mean that pejoratively. Like, he's a amazing player. Like, if you – you know, if there's a player in college baseball that I would continually buy tickets to go watch play, it's Jack Tawney, right? Like this, this dude is appointment television. However, like he just, he's unique because he doesn't, he will not let you walk him. He will not allow that to happen. And he's still, he's the scariest dude in in the building. So everyone's trying to walk him. So, so my question is this site, is that correctable in your in your experience, like when you've drafted guys that are just really wild swingers. Now, here's the thing about Jack Tawney. His bat to ball is good. He does not swing and miss much. He just puts crap in play too much is really what I'm saying. So do you feel like that's correctable or in your scouting experience, did you feel like that? If that's how the kid's wired, that's kind of what it's going to be. Well, I think the prevailing theory out there right now by analysts and major clubs is you can, you can help with swing decisions. You can make those improve. You can't so much help a guy who swings and misses in the zone. I guess that's, Uh, that's, that's harder to correct. If they're swinging and missing pitches in the zone, that's hard to correct. If they're chasing, that's easier to to correct. So I would think Caglione would be a good candidate for improving that area. He just needs a, um, yeah, I know this is kind of run into the other players we're talking about, but JJ Weatherholt's kind of similar, that similar guy to me. I'm not sure what his, his scores are in that area. I'm just telling what I've observed for the collegiate national team and also what I'm seeing down the Cape from him. Um, guys like that, I think, can improve by just being more selective instead of ultra aggressive. Yep. Hey, S2 Cognition, let's, I mean, get there on the go. website, JJ and, and Jack Wagon. Hey, uh, Joe, let me, let me steer you in this direction. If the goal, so now, you know, where Saif is thinking more 2024 draft, you and I tend to think more about 2024 season. I, and we all kind of blend together, obviously. 
if Jack Caglione doesn't win the Golden Spikes Award and we presume it is a hitter from the college national team, who wins the Golden Spikes Award next year that was on this team? Be, if we're looking for another candidate, it'd be hard to look past Jay Slaviolette. And it's mm. going to take A&M being, you know, because we know there's some team aspect in that award too, right? You have to be a really good team. It's kind of like an MVP award in professional sports. But we're talking about a guy who has not quite the power of Jack Caglione, but it's in the neighborhood, right? Um, mm. We're also talking about a guy who was nearly a 2020 guy last year. 21, 21 home runs? Yes, 21 home runs, 18 stolen bases. And now a guy for the collegiate national team that was playing center field. And it wasn't like a center field, like, Hey, we're just going to throw him out there and see what happens. Cause he's a pretty good athlete. It was in talking with, with Larry Lee, the, who was the head coach of the national team. It was, Hey, we just watched this guy run around right field and be like, Hey, he looks like a center fielder to us. And so they just did it and it worked great now to their eyes. Now we'll see full season sec balls come off the bat a little harder with a metal bat against sec competition. They did against, wood bats with Chinese Taipei, right? So we'll see. But if you're telling me it's a 2020 guy with those kind of tools who can also capably play center field, like, I mean, that's kind of the, some of the stuff we talk about with Dylan Cruz, right? So yeah, um, who was not 2020 because LSU never steals bases. That's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's part of what held him back there. Yeah. Uh, so look, I mean, and he's a guy who's not eligible until 2025 draft wise. Um, but he could put up numbers next year good enough to to be in this conversation for sure. Gosh, and he's six foot six, right? Do six, I have that six, right? two thirty. Yeah. I mean, he's a massive human being. And that's part of the reason why I, you know, I wrote something on the side about him just that went up today as we're recording. That I just kind of assumed I knew what kind of player he was. When in the fall he was hitting five hundred foot home runs, I was like, okay, this is a this is kind of a, a big body medium to low athleticism basher corner outfield mm-hmm. guy who who will make plays but he's not gonna you know he's not gonna do anything special in the outfield and and, and i was just kind of wrong about that now yeah. he also got better that's part of it but i was just I, I made assumptions about his game that were just flatly incorrect and he's you know he's he's showing that now yeah and if you're like me out there and and jace laviolette becoming this star player is a nightmare because you don't know how to pronounce his name I can help you because I've been cheating going Lavalette because I that's all I could figure out how to do, knowing that it's not how you say it. So I've got it. It's Lav like Lavalier, yeah, like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah's guys, all that, you know, Lav let. So I think I think I've turned a corner. I've been really struggling with your name, Jace Lavalette. I feel like I've turned a corner. I don't know if that will move me up into the day one draft pick, but I'm feeling pretty proud about that. Saif, I'm gonna you you brought up JJ Weatherholt. Let's talk about him. I think he's fascinating. He's undersized. I think he's second base only from a draft perspective. He could also win the Golden Spikes Award. The bat to ball is incredible. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe he swings at too many pitches. But yeah, let me let me stop steering the jury there. What what's your take on on JJ Weatherholt, and where, where do you think he goes next year? Well, I think for for me for now he'd be the other one to consider for one one. I know oh, wow. you say undersized, but I mean he's five eleven, almost six foot, two hundred pounds. I mean he, but he's wiry, twitchy, strong. I mean explosive. He's he's everything you need to be to be considered one one. Mm-hmm. Um, he would be my. I know you didn't ask me the question, but he would be my front runner for the Golden Spikes. The only thing I haven't really bought into yet is he chases a lot of high fastballs. If it's at his shoulders. He's chasing it. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I think he, I think he, you know, I mean, he just wants to get their hit so bad. He's, he's not about to walk, but if you look at his statistics from West Virginia this spring, there's certainly really no weakness in those st- statistics at all. I'm just seeing all this firsthand again, it was 10 at bats for the CNT and now maybe 10 at bats so far here in the cave. What kind of run tool are you putting on him, Seif? Because my impression is that if you ran him in a 60, it would be fine. But, like, his run on the field feels fairly elite to me. Yeah, he's a he's an explosive guy. He's quick and fast. You know, some guys are mm-hmm. 70 runners. They're long striders. They just, you know, they can just burn the 60. He's going to run you a good 60, but he's going to really run you a really good 20 or 30, which, you know, we obviously don't measure. But uh, yeah. I'm out of the box. He's, he's quicker than normal, but he's he's just explosive once he gets going. So, yeah, yeah. he's an exciting guy. Speed, power. And I'm not sure if he's a second baseman. I can't really see it sec- drafting a second baseman 1-1. One, one. I think he goes to center field, you know, and um, never seen him out there, but he certainly profiles for center field. Oh, that's a great call. Yeah, because that, that was that was my other hang-up with him at, you know, like top even top five is eh, second base that feels, you know – yeah, but that I didn't even think about the center field part. That's interesting. Hey, Joe, let me ask you. So I, w- I want a pop-up guy, like a guy that you saw at the national team that was, you know, surprise is a weird word, but like really jumped out. Um, Kalen Culpepper feels like a name that has to be in that conversation. I don't want to force him on you, but if that if that feels right, go for it. That, that was it. <clears throat> that was actually the guy I was thinking of. I think Saif agrees with me on that one. Just um... – New, you know, all these guys are known commodities to some degree. They wouldn't be on the team if they weren't. But you know, just a guy who's who's had a nice couple of years at Kansas State. But man, the tools suggest that he could be an absolute monster. Whether that's next year at Kansas State or maybe it takes him until he gets into into pro baseball. But it's you know, it's everything. It's a plus arm. It's it's a guy who could you know might get a shot to play shortstop at Kansas State. He's playing shortstop on the Cape right now, but he's he's been more of a third baseman. I'll I'll let Seif talk about the kind of the future projection of him, but I think in the bigger picture, it makes you kind of appreciate well two things. One is that don't look now, but Kansas State's putting out some players. You yeah. know, like I mean it hasn't resulted in the regional appearances that they were would have wanted, right? But and then secondarily is that they're keeping their players like, you know, Tyson neighbors is a guy who's from, and I know we're not talking about him. That was a pitcher's thing, but that's a guy from Texas, Tyson neighbors. You're telling me there aren't teams in Texas who would want that guy in their bullpen and maybe have the money to make it happen. Well, he's staying at Kansas state, Kalen Culpepper staying at Kansas state. Brady day just got popped pretty good. I saw him on the Cape right as he was getting drafted, you know, so they're doing a really nice job there. And I think Kalen Culpepper's got a chance to be a big 12. I mean, obviously JJ Weatherholt's going to be in that mix too, but he's a big 12 player of the year kind of guy, I think. And, but, but might, might also be a guy who it takes getting into pro baseball for him to truly reach the ceiling, because I think the ceiling is, is, is that high. Yeah. So I have two questions on Culpepper and go wherever you want with this. One is, is like when scouts are looking at him, are they thinking third base only, or are they starting to think about other things? And then what's the best tool? Like for when you look at Culpepper, is it just an amag- ama- uh, amalgamation of all the tools? Like a, it's just all the tools coming together, or is there one tool that stands out? Well, I think it's it's a little bit of both. I mean, he has the tools. I mean, he definitely has all the tools. His best tool, though, is Joe Connell under, undersold the arm. It's a 70 arm. I mean, you might even say it's a 75 arm. It's, it's an absolute cannon. Wow. Um, but he's also got 60 bat speed, 60, 65 bat speed. So 
Um, those for me, those are his top two tools. But there's nothing he does he doesn't do well. I mean, he's not a burner, but he's an average, at least an average runner. Um, if you put him at shortstop, he has below average range, so you can say that's his below average tool. But he's not. I don't think he plays shortstop. I think he's at third base. He's gonna have enough power. I don't think he hits 30 home runs, but there's certainly bat speed and strength there for 2025 on a, an annual basis. But uh, he played his way from okay, that'd be a good third rounder at Kansas State to He's knocking on the door at, you know, at the top 30 picks, at least what I saw. Um, he was that guy for the CNT. Now I've only seen him a handful of bats, including three last night uh, down in Falmouth. He plays for Harwich, but I saw him uh, down in Falmouth. And they weren't the best at bats. He's really hard on his front side right now, so he's rolling over the off speed. Uh, got jammed. But, uh, um, you know, heck, he put on a show for the CNT. And, yeah, he's knocking on the door of the first round, I would say, easily at this point. Yeah, Runes, awesome. I would say an interesting theme of, of this team, and it, I think it comes up a little bit when we talk about, about Weatherholt, an interesting theme of this team is that there are, there are a handful of guys who are more like second baseman or more like third baseman that because of holes with their collegiate teams next year are probably going to get at least a shot to play shortstop. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if Weatherholt gets that opportunity. Tevin Tucker is gone. Uh, you know, Kalen Culpepper, perhaps. Uh, Seaver King at Wake Forest, maybe. You know, a guy we'll, we'll probably talk about at some point. Like and, and obviously Griff O'Farrell just is a shortstop, but those three Christian Moore is maybe a guy who gets a shot at shortstop at, at, at Tennessee, and and we'll see if any or all of those guys end up just from a college standpoint end up sticking at those positions. But it does seem to kind of be a theme with the infielders that there's a lot of guys who maybe have some positional question marks that are going to get a shot at shortstop in 24, and we're we're just going to see how it goes. Yeah, Saif, can that ever hurt? Like from a scouting perspective, like I, I feel like agents sometimes are 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 saying that to players that like hey you're you know if you don't get a chance to play shortstop that's going to hurt you in the draft but then the other side would be you could say like well if you go play shortstop and you're terrible maybe that could hurt you like is the truth in the middle or you know like like is does does JJ Weatherholt playing shortstop next year it's probably a bad example because you already said center field. Like, does that move the needle for scouts or they can see through that, um, uh, you know, 10 miles away? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. It, uh, it's in the middle. I mean, if he goes and plays shortstop well, then, hey, now he can play shortstop in big leagues and that only only increases the value. But in his case, his value is already, already sky high, you know, for yeah, me yeah. and everybody else at this point. But, yeah, I mean – I always go back to Paul DeYoung. I, I scouted as an area guy. No, excuse me, I was cross-checking when, when Paul DeYoung was a junior in Illinois State. He couldn't play third. They tried him at catcher. He was terrible at second base. The only place he could play was left field. You had to hide him. Um, and they played on turf. There's not one scout that said he's going to be major league all-star at shortstop. Wow. But now I turned on the TV the other day, and I forgot the name already, but like a lot of oh, – He's not on TV, but Trey Sweeney, Eastern Illinois, was drafted the first yeah. round by the Yankees. He's still playing shortstop. And there's no way I thought he'd be able to play shortstop. So I need to change my perception. So maybe Weatherholt goes to shortstop and it doesn't look like he can play there at a college level. But he ends up there anyway because so many of these guys are these days. You know, you don't have to be – you don't have to be um, – um, Ozzie, Ozzie Smith to play shortstop these days in the big leagues. So, yeah, um, yeah. shoot, like – and to – to Joe's point, Seaver King, even Deuce Gorson, Christian Moore, you know, Weatherholt, let them guys go to shortstop and yeah. play their way off of it. But it's 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 an exciting time. Guys can really improve these days. And I hate to say anybody can play shortstop, but a lot more guys can play shortstop nowadays than, than ever before.
Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. You know what's interesting? A, a quick digression. I'm going to take you guys right back to the players. I have a player, a player for each of you guys that are top of mind for me. But you know, I did that 72 field of 72 with 32 hosts article. Joe and I talked about it in our last podcast, and the feedback keeps coming on Twitter, which is super awesome. As I said to Joe the other day, I would prefer people read the article before giving me feedback, right? <laughs> like, uh, how do you know you don't want the car if you've never even looked at it? But uh, like, please read it. However, I, I, I have two takeaways. One takeaway is that this is really cool that people love our NCAA tournament so much that I wrote an article and they are ready to burn me at the stake because of just even the thought of changing it. So like, there's a real positive there that people love our tournament. The, this is going to take me back to the college national team and players. The, the challenge, like people are asking, why? Why would you change it? It's perfect. I don't get it. Like, why would you even think about changing it? It's perfect the way it is. Well, that's because you're probably a fan of a powerful SEC program. It is perfect for you. You're in the tournament every year. You never have to sweat it. However, there are some really good players that didn't get to participate in this year's tournament who were on very good teams. You just mentioned it, Joe. Kalen Culpepper and Tyson Neighbors and Nick Goodwin were not in this year's NCAA tournament. Seif, Anthony Martinez, the first baseman from UC Irvine, really good team, didn't make the tournament. Uh, Deuce Gorson didn't make the tournament. Um, Charlie Condon didn't make the tournament. You know, like Luke Kieschel was a top 50 pick, I think. Um, didn't make the tournament. These guys that were right on the fringes. Hey, who was the lefty from Kent State? Joe Whitman? Is that how you say it? Whitman or mm -hmm. Whiteman? Whitman, yep. Yeah, I mean, another like top 50-ish pick who, so anyway, like I, I'll get off my soapbox there, but when people say it's perfect and why would you change it? Like that's where my brain goes. Like some really good players on really good teams are getting excluded from this thing. Let me, let me, let me use that to take you to Charlie Condon, Sife. Charlie Conan is such a cool story. He just flat, you know, out redshirted as a freshman at Georgia. Like, you're not good enough. You're going to sit out and lift weights redshirt. And then went to the Northwoods League and killed it. And then, but, you know, we're, you're always a little skeptical that a summer all-star can go from not playing to being great in the SEC. And the kid dang near won the SEC Player of the Year award. Like, if there's no Dylan Cruz this year, maybe he does win the SEC Player of the Year. Um so safe, but he's a first baseman. I don't know. Could he be considered an outfielder? Yeah, he's, he, plays he's, a, he plays a decent left field, sure. Yeah. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, sure. and he's unique. He's like six six. Also, he's right handed. What, tell me about what's the scouts' view of Charlie Condon, Sife? Well, I'm gonna be like like Joe mentioned earlier. He's guilty of maybe misjudging, and I'm gonna get the name wrong because I used to coach a kid named Marlon Laviolet, and his name's spelled exactly like Laviolet. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Me and Condon, the similar, uh, Patrick Eber saw him last summer in the Northwoods League and tweeted some stuff about Charlie. And I looked at the swing. I was like, oh, it's a tall guy, long swing, power only, never going to hit, right? Yeah. And he had red shirt. I'm like, well, there's a reason red shirt, you know? So the, me, me, me being the naysayer right there. But then he started out great at Georgia and you're kind of like, oh, well, they haven't played anybody yet because they don't play anybody in the first four weeks. But then he's raking, raking, raking. So then I'm watching more highlights. So I'm like, okay, the swing's shortened. You know, he's, he's shortened his swing. He's still producing. He's doing it against SEC arms. And so watching him first time live 
in person with the CNT. I'm like, man, that's a six, six guy. He uses all fields. He's, he's short to the ball. He doesn't create any extra length. I mean, he has long arms, long legs. He's six, six for gosh sakes. But to me, he's a guy that can hit for average and power at the major league level with wood. So I'm all in and Condon. I don't know kind of where he falls in. He, he's probably a late first rounder at this point, but yeah, I mean, I see a guy who can play first base, outfield, athletic. He moves well. He's just not some stiff slugger. Um, you know, he's got he's got a chance to hate to say improve upon what he did in 23. It's going to be really tough, but he's gifted. He's got gifted hands. Sees the ball really well. There's not any excess length in the swing, so I'm all in. Yep. He's 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 a pretty good fit for for Georgia too, just defensively from the standpoint of you know they've actually played him in right field because right field is tiny. In Athens, it's three fourteen down the line, and the gap is pretty short too. And so, he doesn't have to cover a ton of ground. And you know, the arm's probably not not what you're looking for there. But in terms of covering it, he can he can do it. I think it's also a great example. Runes, you and I have talked about. You know, maybe the, the transfer portal, some of the hysteria, maybe not quite being to the mm. same level it was last year. And he's a guy who could have literally called any coach in America and got on their team. Yeah. Um, if he had gone in the portal, like there was literally no coach in America that would have said no to that guy. And he ultimately decided he's, he's a Georgia bulldog through and through everything I've heard is that his family was, he was a Georgia fan growing up. His family was big into it. So he was, you know, he was probably inclined to stick around, but that's, that's a situation coaching change. Um, you know, a, a guy going into his draft year that I would say, you know, at least seven or eight out of 10 times that guy goes in the portal to, to at least see kind of what is out there. Right. Yep. And um, he didn't even do that. He just said, Nope, coming back. And, um, and I think it was even before Wes Johnson got hired that he said, yeah, I'm coming back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, good on Georgia, you know, we'll see how good they are or aren't next year, but, but certainly, you know, I think the expectations are really high for what Charlie Condon can do. Yeah. Joe, let me, let me uh, t- put another player uh, in front of you here. Like, by the way, if you're not watching, if you're not following Stephen Shock on Twitter and you're a college baseball fan, I don't even know what you're doing with your life. Like, like we, we need to talk about that. But now that you've corrected the behavior and you are following Stephen Shock on Twitter, he, he's done some incredible videos with college players this summer in the Cape at Team USA. And the players respond to Stephen like no other. It's really like you get the genuine article. You know, when the players talk to adults like us, they're guarded and you know, anxious, but they talk to Steven. It's just, you're seeing the beautiful human that they are. So um, St- Steven was interviewing the players. And one of his questions he was asking the team USA guys was, Hey, who's a player that jumped out at you this summer, like a teammate. And I swear every one of them said Griff O'Farrell, like it was, and, and, you know, I don't know, Saif, you could disagree with us on this, but uh, after Joe goes, but I, I, I don't know that Griff O'Farrell's a, a, a great prospect but man, he feels like a player you could win the national title with. Give, give me your take on Griff O'Farrell, Joe. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Just a, a really, I hate this cliche, but I think it does apply to some players, like just a winning player. I mean, he's a really yeah. well-rounded game at the college level anyway. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not going to hit a bunch of bombs, but he can impact the ball to the gaps and, and run the ball out of the yard occasionally. But it's, I mean, he did nothing but hit this summer for the collegiate national team. And Culpepper actually overtook him at the very end for the batting title with the CNT. But he basically from wire to wire was, was the team's best hitter in that regard. And so he's, he's been playing shortstop since day one. So there's really no question there. Uh, I, I think he's probably one of, if not the premier catalyst in college baseball going into next year for, for a team that's going to need it. Right. Cause Virginia did lose quite a bit in their lineup. It's more turnover than they've had of late. 
in their lineup because if you if you recall they've kind of had a similar core it's been one of the Geloff brothers at various times Kyle Teal that you know Casey Sauke is is back he's going to be a part of it but it, it there's a little more turnover than there has been and, and so mm-hmm. O'Farrell is going to be important for them and, and it seems like maybe he's you know, he's been a good player from the jump but but man he's he's looked really really good this summer and in talking to the folks around the collegiate national team they were effusive in the praise of, of him just being everything you kind of want not only in a, in a player but just a a winning guy to have around your team. Safe, if you had to guess a, a round on O'Farrell or a, a spot in the draft, where, where what would you say? Ten years ago, I think he's a first rounder. Um, these Ooh. days, with with every batted ball exit velocity tracked and and yeah. algorithmed and everything else, I, I think he's probably more an early, early like third round, late second, early third round guy, just because the power's not there. But I mean, plus defender, smooth, makes every single play puts the bat on the ball. Um, yeah, he's, he's a really good player. So if, if, if you haven't watched him, he's certainly a guy to, to watch play the game. But uh, um, you remember Jason Tyner ruins. Remember that name? Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. He's, he's, he's not as fast as Tyner. You might have a little bit more power than Tyner, but I think the Jason Tyners of the world kind of ruined uh, the first round for shortstops with no power. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. um, and that's, but no, Farrell, man, he was he was spectacular for the CNT. Just puts the bat on the ball, plays the crap. Tyler was a Texas ball. kid, right? Was he from down there? Down there? Yeah, wasn't he from? Where was he from? Tyner was he, he Illinois? Drafted, he no, he was drafted by the Astros in the first round. I forget, uh, I forget uh, the other detail. Was he? Uh, He's from team? Bedford, Texas. Bedford, okay. Texas. Was, was okay. he, yeah, he, he, he was. He was an. He was an A and M guy. A and M. Yeah. So. Yeah. Going back a few years there, but yeah, O'Farrell's a special, special player. I just don't know, just because he doesn't hit it hard, he he's probably not going to yeah. see the first round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like he's like they they compared him to Chris Taylor. They're different players and different body types for me. But you know, like Chris Taylor certainly wasn't a first rounder and has done just fine. And you know, Virginia guy, all that stuff. Safe. Let me let me ask you about this. So when I saw Ryan Stafford was the starting catcher for Team USA. You know, he's from Cal Poly. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, and no offense to Ryan Stafford. Like, I had written him up, and I thought he was a nice player. But, you know, if you're the starting catcher for Team USA, like, by definition, you're in the conversation as best catcher in the country next year. So here's my question. It's got two parts to it. One is my perception is college catcher is a, a genre, a profile that always has helium like it it feels like it's safe um and is is college catching down next year or ryan stafford is way 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 better than people realize well stafford is a very good player but at five foot nine hundred seventy hundred seventy five pounds i'm not sure how far that takes him up yeah helium but college catching is not down college catching has a chance i mean for in my mind to be historically good next year i can count three I can count three guys in the first round, maybe not slam dunks. Two of them probably are slam dunks. The third is getting there. Um, and he wasn't invited to the USA trials and Caleb Lomavita from Cal. I um, oh, love him. To me, he's a, he's a late first round type guy right now. But of the three, the other two being Malcolm Moore from Stanford and Jacob Cozart from NC State, Lomavita is the most, most natural of the three. I mean, just the way he sits, the way he receives, the way he just transfers the ball and just – effortlessly throws it to second, third, wherever. Loma Vita to me is just, I mean, he was born to catch. 
But then you have other guys like uh, the guy from Sam Houston State that I saw two nights ago or last night. Help me out here, Joe. Walker He's Janik. Yeah. Walker Janik. Walter, yeah. Walter Janik. They're pronouncing it Janik. Yeah, Janik. Yeah, I, I would say Janik, knowing me. But <laughs> it's Janik, apparently. Um, and then Stafford's right there, too, with Janik, I would say. But Stafford, I mean, you're not going to – outside of Carson Bowen, who was a, a CNT invite, who has his, his chest and, and body is as wide as a door – that you right. cannot throw a wild pitch around just because he's super wide. It's hard to throw a pitch around, uh, around Ryan Stafford because he's so quick, he's so agile, moves in every direction. He's got a 50-55 arm, quick release. Again, just super athletic. I mean, so where does he belong in the ground? He's draft. He's probably an early day three guy at this point just because, again, the lack of power. That's, you know, him, him and O'Farrell kind of have the same, not yeah. really a problem, but the same 35 raw power. Um, but yeah, Stafford's a really good player, and uh, you know, and and him being the starter for the CNT, I just read into it like he's a good player, and his head college coach is the manager, is the skipper of the oh, USA right. yeah, CNT. Coach so Lee, yeah, Larry Lee. Yep. Yeah, there's some comfort there. You know, there's some comfort there as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, Joe, let, let's wrap with this. So, Sife's piece on the hitters is going to be up on the website imminently, um, and it, it is. I have two things for you, Joe. One is like I'm gonna I'm gonna read off the list of names that Sife wrote about: Jack Caglione, Charlie Condon, Kalen Culpepper, Griff O'Farrell, Seaver King, JJ Weatherholt, Deuce Gorson of UCLA, who I love, Christian Moore of Tennessee, who I love, Anthony Silva, TCU, Anthony Martinez, UCI, Ethan Petrie, Ethan Anderson for Virginia, Cody. Speaking of another name that I'm about to practice in the offseason, Cody Shoji Naga of Kansas, who is a dynamite freshman from Hawaii. So, so I'm going to make a point, Joe, and then I'm going to ask you to pick one of these players. The point is you, you, you touched on it. The blue hairs like myself or the no hairs, as it were, that get really, really, I struggle with the transfer portal, right? Like it's uncomfortable for me. I'm still acclimating. Right. But look at all those names of great players. I just listed that aren't transferring, right? Like the, the challenge is when they transfer, it just generates so much noise and I get all wound up, but I don't, you know, I'm not talking about Caleb Lomavita and Rodney Green Jr. who are staying at Cal. And so again, I, I'm, I'm counseling myself right now. I just need to breathe. I just need to let it normalize. Not everyone's transferring. In fact, to your point, Joe, most are not transferring. Um, and, and so I, I just need to take a breath. So, so, I want to have you finish with a player, Joe, of that list of players or, or anybody from the national team. Who's one more player that, that is a, you know, a top of mind guy for you. I'm fascinated by Christian Moore because at Tennessee, because he is often the most talented player on the field on every field he steps on, but he is rarely the best player on the field. Um, you know, he just hasn't fully put it together yet. And that's incredible because he's had, you know, two years ago, he on a on a rate basis was one of the best power hitters in the SEC, along with Blake Burke. By the way, at that at that point, they both had, you know, I think they combined for twenty four home runs and less than two hundred at bats two years right. ago. Um, and then last year, put up really good numbers and was their probably their hottest guy when it mattered most in the in the postseason. But still, they're struggling to find his home defensively. He played second base last year, and it wasn't the most natural fit. And they thought that maybe center field could be a fit. That's a question mark there. And like I said, he might, they might try him at shortstop. And, uh, but the, he looks like a big leaguer in the batter's box, right? I mean, he, he yeah. looks like you, like he's supposed to look. So 
I just think he's a guy who's one of our most electric players in college baseball. And I'd love to see him have that, that moment, that season where we, we recognize that and we look at the numbers and we look at the production and, and say, yes, this is one of our best two, two, three, four, five players in college baseball, because he, he has that in him. And I'll cheat a little bit too, and and give you, uh, I'll just say quickly, Seaver King's just so fascinating division one to wake forest. The tools are good, but also one of the most interesting pieces of feedback I got on him is just that he's a really intellectual, intuitive defensive player. Love they that. like it got to the point where they uh, the coaching staff with the collegiate national team wasn't really having to move him into position because he had already done it. Yep. Like he just kind of knew where to go based on the, the the hitter and you know just feeling out the game. So and that's stuff you really can't teach. So I I find that intriguing. Yeah, I mean, from Wingate to like a key recruit for Wake Forest, like that is just, it just shows you there's great baseball being played at all levels. Division three, look at the division three kids that were great in division one this year, division two, junior college. I mean, yeah, NAIA, it's really incredible. Um, yeah, really cool. Gentlemen, well done. Now, if you're a D1 baseball loyal listener, well, first of all, there's this. There's never a bad time to get a subscription to D1baseball.com. But if you haven't read my piece on 72, a field of 72 and 32 hosts, then what are you doing? Like, get your subscription and read the dang piece. There's a ton of great stuff. If you're ready to fast forward to 2024, now's the time. Coupon Kendall's got you all taken care of. If you type in save 30 or type in Kurt Reed, try that too. You'll get 30% off at checkout. Um, Type in cut and shoot Texas at checkout. I bet you get 31% off. Um, but if you type in save 30, I know for sure you'll get 30% off. Um, also, if you're watching on YouTube, if you could subscribe, hit the subscribe button, that's really helpful. Also, if you're a loyal listener and you're wondering where the heck is Aaron fit? Well, as a staff, we had to sit down. I mean, Fitzy after the season, we're jetting off to Barcelona. We're flirting with, you know, European football magazines. We thought we were going to lose him in the portal, all kinds of NIL rumors and allegations, back channels. Well, Fitzy is recommitted to D1 baseball. We re-upped him. We signed him to a new contract, but we sent him to the Cape, right, Joe? Like, just we had to put him to work. Like, this, the the the, the recruiting trip is over. Eventually, you got to go play, right? Am I wrong? No, that's right. I mean, enough enough with the paella. Enough with the port wine. <laughs> yeah, enough yeah. with enough with dinner at port one wine. in the morning. Uh, <laughs> let's let's get to work, Fit. Let's let's we need something out of you right now, okay? Oh. Like it's it's been too long. That's I think, it was, just... I think it was Bora Bora last year, right, Joe? Oh yeah. yes, something. Yes, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Yes, it, yeah. Not Seattle City, New Jersey. And now now Kendall's got a real excuse. Kendall is helping coach the Klein Bengals youth football organization because our main man, you know, podcast favorite Stone Mason Jar Rogers is playing pound football weight football for the first time the Bengals have sick unis so Kendall's been coaching that team uh but we will we will continue to do you know kind of varied rosters for the podcast but we'll get the whole gang together too so very fun gentlemen well done today this was fun Sife, enjoy the rest of your cave trip or your Cape Cod trip and uh get yourself a lobster roll don't don't leave the 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 Cape without doing that please will not I definitely yeah. will not execute so uh that is it Everyone have a good uh, good weekend, and we will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.